following presentation is uncensored. It contains profanity, references to drug and alcohol addiction, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to today's field trip episode. We've been playing a lot through the Candlekeep Mysteries over the last few months and playing a couple of other games. Uh, we have a really awesome game to bring you today. I really hope that you enjoy. I am joined by, as always, my two co-hosts, Luinika and Glenn. What's up? We also have a friend of the show, Mike, from the 19 Hits the Dragon podcast. Uh, Mike, say hello. Hello. Yeah, Mike Daniel here from 19 Hits the Dragon. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for coming on. All right. Our guests today to showcase the game coming soon to Kickstarter, March 15th. Want to introduce you all to Piercy and Ward from Accidental Cyclops Games. The game module is called The Real Thing. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse build. Jason, Piercy, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Thanks. Happy to be here. All right, gentlemen, why don't we get started? So we're going to start with character generation today, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, okay, so I'm going gonna, gonna to take the lead. This is Ward. I'm going to take the lead talking about sort of the concept, how Powered by the Apocalypse works, and then the character generation. And I'll jump in and clarify rules if we need to along the way. Jason is the narrator extraordinaire. He's going to give you the feel of the world and the setting and that sort of thing and, and flesh out the story as you go along. Yep. And, and for that, uh, you guys know, so, so you know, we'll be in Chicago for the scenario. As well, The Real Thing is based on the Faith No More album, The Real Thing. We quite blessing, it's a blessing to have, we have the, uh, the license for. Uh, they've been fantastic to work with, and this has been an amazing journey so far. Yeah. So we're going to take you through an album-based awesome. scenario. Yep. So any fans of Faith No More out there, uh, you're going to be able to check out this content and hopefully see some of some fan service in the material and, and enjoy that uh, tongue-in-cheek or with the uh, emphatic excitement. So this is real simple. First thing you're going to do, there are eight what we call templates or archetypes for characters. These are sort of like classes in Dungeons and Dragons, but um, a little, it's not level based. It's a little more free form and you advance yourself how you see fit. So each of you is going to select one of the eight and there are no duplicates allowed. Our options are, oh, let's see if I can get them in order. So we've got the architect and the artist and we've got the criminal. And we've got, all right, I'm going out of order. I lost already. We've got the uh, lover. We've got the stranger. We've got the protector. We've got the killer. And we've got the soldier. So those, yeah. I, I said eight in some fashion there somewhere. <laughs> and, and I think you guys came prepared with your ideas of what you wanted to play. Is that correct? Yes. We should yes. all know what, our, what playbook we're using. So All right. So let us know what you got. Yeah. I'm going to be playing the artist. And my character's name is Aristotle Bonaire. Okay. I'm going to be playing a soldier. His name is Travis Baker. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be playing a criminal, and his name is Paxton Riggs. All right. Yes, and I'll be playing the stranger, and his name is Stanley. Stanley. All right. So I have to say, the stranger is the stranger, and the uh, the soldier are the two most popular. That's what people really <laughs> nice. I, I don't know if it's because it lends itself to really cool background stories, but I, I have noticed that people really dive into those characters and, and have a lot of fun with them. Great. So we've got our, our character archetypes picked. We've got our names picked. The next thing you're going to do, if you look on your sheet, you're going to see a section that tells you to pick your appearance, essentially. So you're going to have options that relate to you know what your physical appearance look like what your uh, gender your race your ethnicity and your body type and those sorts of things for those not familiar with powered by the apocalypse those are often just circle you just really quickly pick one of them on the sheet or you can write in something unique 
for example, I'm looking at do we have here. I'm looking at the soldier sheet, and gender and race and ethnicity are right in. So you write in whatever is most uh, appropriate for your character. But then if you look at body type, you have the options of athletic or jacked or lanky or stocky or wiry, or you can write something in of your own choosing. So go ahead and select your gender, race, ethnicity, body type, and look, your general style, from those lists or write something in. And then one at a time, go ahead and let us know what those are. I'm already done. So I will, like, I was, I was like in high school, I was filling out my test while the teacher was talking. So I'm white, long hair, taking the lithe body type and, and avant-garde looking style, and they present as non-binary. This is Josh, and you're the artist, correct? I'm playing the artist, correct. Yep. So think like a David Bowie type with long hair sort of thing. So Nice. And that character's name was Aristotle Bonaire or Von Bonaire. B-O-N-A-I-R. Yep. Perfect. So Paxton Riggs, black, shaved bald, average height, athletic, with a goatee. As far as how he dresses, it's a mix. Generally, it's fairly casual, normal, hard to pick out in a crowd. The idea being... There's just nondescript. I mean, that's that is a good way to describe it, but but it with a tad bit of fashion sense. So he's always like ready to pick up someone, but never ready to stand out in the crowd. I see you're also playing yourself from 1995. <laughs> <laughs> or smallly. Well, he's a little tall. Oh, oh ow! <laughs> Picking on the fat guy. No, the short. <laughs> Lee and I have also been ugly. friends since we were 13 and I'm 6'4 and he's like 3 foot <laughs> yeah, so yeah. this has been an ongoing thing yeah. that's funny yeah. nice. looking at Lee on camera I would have guessed he was 6'5 I don't know why I just yeah, got the impression yeah, he was he was a big like, dude Yeah, I, not, I also had that impression yeah, yeah right. he's not 6'5 tall I'll tell you that much yeah. All right. oh dang <laughs> he, he's got the presence of a much taller thank man you. Right. I, Mike you're, much. I love what you're putting down Mike thank you for that thank you <laughs> I got I you. Going, I got you. I was going to have the presence of a man with a larger. Yeah, head. pretty much. <laughs> but all right, I can be. Travis Baker can be ready, I suppose, to get us back on track. I'm playing one of my one of my personalities from the '90s because I had a couple, kind of, and he's going with athletic, which I was not. Oh God, but whatever. It, it's uh, role playing, right? That's right. <laughs> and for look style, I went with Army Surplus Grunge, which was a write-in on my part, but it is a 90s look. Very much so. I, I like that look and did it often. Yep. <laughs> hey, yep. One, I one still of my have, best... a, I have an Army Surplus shirt that I wear. I wore the real deal. <laughs> I was not rocking an Army Pl Surplus shirt, though. What was your character name again? Uh, his oh. name is Travis Baker. That's it. But his shirt is a Rage Against the Machine shirt underneath his flannel nice. with his camouflage shirt. Drummer, shorts and a Rage Against the Machine shirt. Yeah. The drummer from Blink-182 Travis is a Baker. Yes. Yeah, I knew he was a drummer. I could not think of the band. Thank you. Yeah, I was also struggling. So thank you for enlightening all of us here. I guess that leaves me, uh, though. So Stanley is a male. His ethnicity is Romani. So kind of dark hair, kind of caramel skin. Body type is wiry. And look or style is worn. He's been traveling a long time. So the kind of the edges of his elbows and, and knees of his, his jeans are a little worn out and, and torn. And for everyone's benefit, just to really kick this off, the, the other session I'm running, I want everyone to describe the soldier for me. What are you guys seeing on camera there? <laughs> that is 100% Con Air. What's his name? That's yeah, what I'm yeah. seeing right yeah. now. So That is 
It's exactly what he wrote for Look and Style. Nick Cage. <laughs> yep. And Fantastic. He did a heck of a drawing of it, too. It's fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Cool. All right. So we've got cool. our look and stuff down. So next thing you're going to do is go ahead and pick out your statistics. Your statistics are, there are six of them. They are awareness, intellect, might, rapport, reflexes, and subtlety. So go ahead and assign stats. And instead of being thinking of them in stats as hard numbers, they are relative pluses and minuses to the general populace. So you have to assign a plus two, a plus one, three zeros, and a minus one. So ostensibly that is significantly above average, three averages, and a slightly below average. A good rule of thumb when you're doing that while you're assigning those is to look at some of your, skipping ahead here a little bit, look at your starting move and your advancements and maybe see what those leverage. It is important to do that very, actually. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is you can look at the basic moves, which those familiar with Powered by the Apocalypse are familiar with the idea of basic moves. But these are the things that drive the action. So you're going to be using those statistics to power moves like fight and persuade and figure someone out and investigate and stuff like that. So think about those basic moves and your advancements and um, things like that when you're picking your statistics. Or you can use the rule of thumb of what do I want this guy to be like and do it that way and not worry about the stats, how it's going to affect things. Nothing wrong with being a buff persuader. <laughs> Intimidate with strength, right? That's how it works. That's how it works in some games. Yeah. Do you need us to tell you what our stats are? No, I think when we go okay. through uh, final, finalizing the character descriptions for each other, along with our brief backgrounds, you can just describe generally what type of person you are. Like, you know, I've got a, I've got a high rapport, but I'm really bad at uh, knowing what's going on around me or something like that. So the, the statistics are not going to be particularly important from our perspective as storytellers. It's really for you to describe how your character interacts with the world. Okay. We're going to skip over the area that talks about wounds and derangements. Those things may come up during the course of game. You know, this is a game that takes place in the mid-90s with some folks that are really down on their luck. So, you know, this isn't Cthulhu-style derangements. We're not going to go that far. But there are some chances that you're going to end up with some semi-permanent wounds and some mental trauma through the course of this story. That's the feel of the album. It's, uh, if you've listened to it, you know, there's a lot going on there, but it's also going to be the feel of this game and the story that we're putting forth. All right. So now you're going to figure your stress and trauma. For the listener, stress is essentially how, how durable your mind is to the things that are going on around you. So you're going to mark stress as you go through the game. And every character has a maximum amount of stress that they can take equal to three plus their rapport rating. Or if it's a negative, minus their rapport rating. I'll fill in some caps here. So the creators of the game, Jason and I, are are both pulling this from our own stories, our own histories, our our, our interpretations of Faith No More music. And we were teenagers and young adults in the '90s. So this is um, this has hit home for us. This is some of our formative years. This is where we mm -hmm. figured out who in the hell we are. And so it's exciting for us to tell nice. stories in this time period. Definitely. I, I always thought I it was a good time. Great time. Great <laughs> weird time period. <laughs> Of the decades, I think every generation says that, but the decades that you were a late teenager and in your 20s are the, is the decade that you most associate with. So my dad loves the 70s. I love the 90s. It's just, yeah. you know, yeah. that's who we are. I would say the core, the, the foundation right, was definitely built before, but the core of uh, who I am today, it was formed with during that time frame with the people that I surrounded myself, two of which are here today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, I would say that all of my best friends I met in the 90s. That's pretty weird, but almost <laughs> yeah, entirely true. Pretty cool. true, though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So everyone's got their numbers assigned and their stress and trauma figured yes. out. Maximum stress and trauma. Perfect. All right. So what we're going to do for is better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's all for worse. I mean, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah. So everyone's going to look at the back of their sheet and notice your starting moves. Just read that really quick. Everyone gets one starting move. And then over the course of the game, we're going to go through the process of remembering other things that you were capable of doing. And we're calling that process. This is really the thing that we've added to the powered by the apocalypse system. We're calling that process discovery. And it's going to be a discovery process, but you're rediscovering some of your own capabilities through the course of the story. All right. So the next thing you're going to do is go ahead and in the notes section, write down what we call two facts, two things that you remember about yourself like it was yesterday, very vivid memories. And aim for things that are critical to developing yourself as a character. So we don't want to know that you know, necessarily that you really like the color blue. That's not overly important to us unless there's a good story behind that for some reason. What we want to know is that your first girlfriend committed suicide because you dumped her and that was really formative in how you interact with people. You know, those are the sorts of things we're looking for. They don't have to be that negative, but, you know, things that are really going to stick in your memory and be critical to developing you as a person. And you only need two right now. And something we forgot to mention at the, at the start is... You're starting with amnesia a little bit. So you're going to have a vague recollection of who you are as a person and some of your general experiences. You might remember some names from the past and some small events. But over the course of this game, you're going to keep remembering more and more vividly what happened to you in the past, which is represented then by advancing back to understanding who you were as a person and rediscovering some of your powers. I don't know what advancing back means, but that's what I used for a term. So here we go. It was an interesting term to come up with, you know. I, I support it. We can get, we can get right. it. I'm down with it. Reminds me of a run the jewels lyric. Every time I get a chance to advance, I'm back. It's backwards. They're so good. So good. Cool. Coincidentally, seeing them with Rage Against the Machine here next year. Nice. Be great. Nice. That's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be a good show. Yeah. But I have to say, because this is a Faith No More game, it's not gonna be as good as the Faith No More show I'm seeing yeah. in September. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit biased there. It sounds Maybe like. a little bit. Last time I saw Faith No More was when they opened up for the uh, combination. <laughs> well, when they opened up for the combination, Use Your Illusion and Wherever I May Roam Tour at Great Woods. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, you, dating myself a little bit on that one. The fact that I was old enough to go ahead and see that show in what, 94? No, it was probably 91. No, it was later than that. Oh, 94. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I think it was 94. Oh, man. I think it was a sophomore in I, high school. So. I missed it. Did you say use your illusion? Yeah. The, the yeah. Guns N' Roses uh, Metallica, they toured together for um, yeah, 18 okay, months. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, w- I would have yeah. thought that was closer to 1990. I think the album came out in 90, but I think, oh, man, I'm, now I'm going to have to look it up. No, it was 92 was the, uh, I believe that tour. I want to say it was 91, 92, but the tour lasted a long time. Yeah. It was like a tour on the road together for like two years. Yeah. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first things I drove to. That's how I can remember that. It was my sophomore year in high school. So. We can claim Axel Rose here in Indiana. Jason and I are from Indiana. That's where, where we have roots and where we nice. live now. So we'll go ahead and just, you know, proudly claim <laughs> Axel Rose. Quite the trophy. Uh, proudly? No Jason's comment. looking at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, comment. Not really that proud. You're right. Cool. You know Mike Patton. Not at all. <laughs> 
No right. So do we share our notes with you or, or keep those to ourselves? Let's, uh, I'm just filling space here while people finish yep. writing. looks like we got some writing still cool. going on. But once that's done, we'll go through and just describe our yeah. characters. And part of that description will be those cool. two memories or two facts. I want to point out that if you look at your, all of your advancements and starting moves, they're all named after Faith No More songs. I will, I will also ask, as the, as the other person doing this, if you, when you give your facts, you can give me a moment before going to the next person to write down what that is. It'll help me greatly. So, Jason, you never told me what your favorite Faith No More song is. Do you have one? Song or album? Song. I'm making a hard on you. Hmm. Song? Hold on a second. It's not last to know. It's off a of King for a Day Fool for a Lifetime. It's so good. It's, uh, hold on. I'm going to fill in while you're looking. Gentle Art of Making Enemies is mine. I don't know why. I, I just, every time that song comes on, I'm just like, yes. I don't know if it's my age or what, but I feel that way every time Midlife Crisis comes on. It's like, yeah, no, this is, oh, this is so good too. Yeah. yeah. Front to back. Angel, Angel Dust, Dust is, is a great album. album. Like, absolutely my favorite album yeah. from Faith No More. Yeah. Probably not my favorite album of all time, but my favorite Faith No More album. Absolutely. All right. Anybody else? I am so we got Josh huge. done. Anybody else done? Mike's looking at me. Huh? I've got one, but the other I'm, one's kicking um, my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Lee. I am a huge fan of their cover of Easy, the Lino Richie uh, Commodore suit. Yeah. Like that yeah. is like That's so good. so, cover of so much so too. that I like it better better than the uh, that's solid. Like that's actually the version of War Pigs that I sing when I sing karaoke. I tend to sing that one because it's hot. I mean, it's exactly the same as Black Sabbath. Completely version, agree so it's not really you. like like they didn't really they didn't stretch their creative flex on that. They didn't. No. Al- they did not <laughs> alter true much. Form, for sure. Yeah, it's it's no. it, it is them doing karaoke versus me doing karaoke. They just play instruments better <laughs> than I ever could. <laughs> Secondhand karaoke. Hmm. Yeah, so the song off that album is King for a Day. Okay. That track, just don't let me die with that silly look mm-hmm. in my eye. Like, that whole track is just puts me in another state of mind. Nice. Good one. All right. Let's go ahead and start diving into these before we have too much cool. dead yeah. air, right? Uh, so Aristotle is, like I said, he's very lithe frame. When he first came to, he remembered, you know, how much like he, he didn't even like having to like stand himself up. Like he was like very like any sort of like physical labor or any sort of exertion just seemed to like he was almost like allergic to it. He just hated exerting himself in any way and any risk that he would like break a sweat or that a hair would be out of place or that he would break a nail. Like very, he seemed very much against that. Um, and any time that, uh, that you all have seen them, they've had a cigarette out hanging out of their mouth or a drink in their hand or, or various in some other altered state. He seems to have a very, very addictive nature where if anybody offers them anything, they'll take it and share with them. So this is a this is a good chance to point out that make sure you don't have any of your facts be about we want this to be an introduction to yourselves uh, to the group as well so yeah thanks for putting those in there josh and like i said you'll have a good sense potentially of who you are and how you feel yep. about things and uh, these two facts try to anchor them in some sort of story if you can yep. so 
I'll come back yep. to you on that, Josh. But think about what is it? What is a scenario or a, a situation in which those two things you just described yeah. to us are? are yeah, no, I, I've got them already. Like you don't. Oh. Like I, that's, yeah, because I, oh, I didn't Great. know how much detail you want me to go into. Yeah, no. So like they remember like the first time that as you know a twelve year old kid, them and their best friend behind their best friend's garage, the first time that he'd had a taste of like a Marlboro Red and the feeling of the smoke pouring into his lungs and how he felt it and that kind of connection with it. like they were doing something illicit behind the barn sort of thing and that they had to keep it from everybody that he's very much kind of walked through life with that sort of uh, that sort of like how do i keep the secret how do i go ahead and how what can i get away with you know that sort of mentality and the whole physical exertion thing you know man his parents owned a hardware store and when he was when they were young you know they would go to work in the store and like you know i need you to carry that 50 pound box of nails and i need you to hang up these hammers and i need you to to take the ladder out to Tommy outside and put it on his truck and he, how much they just hated doing that work you know like if it if they'd had their druthers they would have like sat behind the cash register pushing the buttons ringing people out taking money slipping a little in his pocket but never actually have to go ahead and walk out from behind the counter to do anything cool yeah so Pulling out of that, paraphrasing a little bit, you grew up with a family who ran a, who ran a local hardware store, decided very early on that that's not the life yeah. you wanted, and very quickly realized that, man, getting away with things yeah. is fun. Very much so. I like being on the fringe and being different and experimenting yep. and very much being what the norms would call a pariah, but what you call exactly, cool, exactly. Right? Yep, yep. You know that's why like right dresses in very like retro stylish clothes, like you know skinny ties. I think like like mid eighties like pop like like skinny <laughs> ties and black jackets with the collars popped and you know fly green socks and patent leather shoes. You know that kind of thing. So yeah. Your first, <laughs> right off of a flock of seagulls. Exactly, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right, uh, let's go to Mike. Yeah. So Stanley, as I mentioned, is kind of a, a wiry guy. So he looks a little bit on the leaner, or weaker side. Wears like a flannel button down, but with the, the buttons open. Um, maybe like a patch on one of the elbows and the other one kind of worn. Um, the jeans that he's got on are worn at the knees and around the, the, the ankles as well. Uh, and a pair of uh, like boots there. And when he wakes up, the two memories that he still has is one of his dad dying in a car crash while he was in the back seat of that car. So he was in a crash with his dad and his father passed away. And the other that he also remembers is leaving behind his first love, watching them fade away in the distance from the backseat of a different car when his family rode away. Okay, cool. So tell me, uh, what was the... You said there was a car wreck. What were the the implications of that car wreck on you other than losing your family? Yeah, so I think that, you know, was uh, pretty pretty traumatic. I think he's someone that takes a lot of precaution when, especially when traveling, as well as, you know, in, in any instance where there might be some unknown danger. He's kind of always on, on the lookout, trying to keep his wits about him. Yeah, as much so as possible. Losing somebody that important that so so, so early has made you very yeah, very and and so abruptly as well. So yeah, okay. And how old, about how old were you in that memory of losing your first love? Losing my first love yeah. or leaving them behind? I was probably we'll say thirteen. Okay, puppy love. Good stuff. Yeah. 
Young love, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. And Lee, are you ready? I am. So my first one is I grew up hungry and broke. I, we were we never had enough money. We were always half a paycheck behind, a quarter paycheck away from losing it all. And I remembered a specific time as a young team where it got as bad as it was ever going to get. We had one chicken that we had at the beginning of the week. And at the end of the week, when we finished rationing it among the family, I vowed that I would never, ever be that hungry again. And I would never look that role again. I would never live that life again. And that's when I took off and set out on my own. Okay. About how old were you then? Uh, about 13. All right. What's the other? The other memory was not long after that. When I made my first big score, it was not uh, brash. It wasn't bold. I didn't roll somebody, but I happened into a circumstance, ended up with about $200 of cash out of a register at a store I didn't work in and ran and started to run off. And I realized at one moment that how cool that was and that this was how I was going to get by. And then I realized I was thirsty and I turned around for an energy drink and I actually went back, risked getting caught just to go back, get that energy drink as a thumb to the nose of the man who was behind the counter and then walked out. <laughs> nice. So I'm thinking energy drink circa 19 or early 1990s. You're talking or even before that, you're talking jolt, yeah. like surge. 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 Yeah. Surge. Surge. Yeah. Surge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking in the 80s. Yeah, I, I was going to leave it nondescript so that so that we didn't so we didn't uh, deal with any copyrights. But I was really leaning Mountain Dew on that. But. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So we're, oh man, we are broadening the term of energy drink. Mountain Dew's in there now. <laughs> yeah. That's the original. He's going to pop. Yeah. That's he right. used to refer to it when he was younger for real as the nectar of the gods. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, Mountain Dew is probably the best of the sodas and one of the most addictive by a yeah. huge margin. Ah, the stomach ache yes. pop. Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> now that I'm old, that happens every Anytime I have a code red, it's like. Yeah. Oh, there it is. We're on camera. We got the Mountain Dew. <laughs> Glenn, you're up. First, I have a question for y'all. Yeah. In terms of around game start, typical age range, what are we looking at? I mean, are we like 19 or so? I would say no. make sure you're an adult. Let's just start yeah. there. An adult okay. is, you know, that that's this is an adult content game. Some people yes. might have the whole X card issue with there being children involved in this. So. And I'm fine to, to stay away from that as well. But that, that was my question. I was trying yep. to figure yeah, out exactly definitely where Definitely being an adult. Yeah. That's okay. the thing. Okay. Great question. I'm glad um, you brought that up. So Travis, when he was younger, one of his memories that he remembers as he wakes up, one of one of his past traumas that's strong enough that there's no way it could ever leave his mind, was when he was around 11 or so. He'd known that his mom and dad were having some issues and that his mom had been behaving erratically. But he didn't know until they came home and found that she had OD'd in the living room was that she was a drug addict. So he and his dad came home to find her in the living room. And at that point, neither one of them really knew how to respond to a crisis. So aside from all of the other things going on and the, the total freak out, one of the biggest takeaways for him is he never wanted to be standing in a room and feeling that helpless again, okay. aside from the grief. The way I kind of picture it in his head, but he doesn't remember it 100% clearly because traumatic memories have a habit of going fuzzy and not always having you know, perfect detail, is that... Uh, particularly given how strongly he feels about wanting to know how to respond to a crisis situation that maybe she had not fully died when they arrived. They were trying to, you know, to save her, but they didn't know how. 
but his memory of the whole thing is really fuzzy and hazy like even pre game start amnesia just because of all of the emotion and adrenaline running around it it also gave him you know a strong sense or a strong fear of losing people i got some more but that would be something else to discover later i suppose off of that one okay and then his other memory is a little bit later in life so this is probably 15 16 and it's him and his dad in the woods and it's a training day like full-on doomsday prepper everything from first aid to survival training day because they both dove into it um, and that's where his soldierhood comes from not from actually being in the military oh interesting is the doomsday prepper thing more like, um, more like uh, militia trained huh Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then that's kind of where his look comes from, too. It's def- He is army surplus because he was never in the army. Everything he's got that's mil- military-like, though he tends to kind of uh, try to embody that image, is secondhand. Okay. You know? Secondhand um, soldier. I like that. So there we go. All right. And that wraps it up. Everyone have a firm grasp of who – have a – actually, let's say loose grasp of who you're going to be yeah. playing. Then that will become more firm over the next cool. few hours. Um for our listeners, what, what Jason Piercy is going to be running us through is the first chunk of this story. We don't want to give too much away. So that's what we're recording. Um, we want there to be some mystery when folks jump in and kickstart yeah. the game and, and get it delivered and jump in and really make it theirs yeah. first off, but also not give anything that's going to spoil things down the road. I do want to say I would love to do a second session with you guys where we finish the story for you at some point in time. We don't want to leave you in the <laughs> I mean, I do want you to kickstart yeah, yeah, the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> All right. So this is the point, uh, and we're still yep. recording, so pick off, pick, pick up. up wherever you want. But this is the point where I drop things and hand it off to Jason, and he takes over. And I'm going to mostly be on mute as the, the rules lawyer cool. of the group. And if there, well, there was. Oh, go ahead. I think there was one thing. I don't think it came up while I was gone. Lou, you said you had a statement you wanted to make about character creation. Mm-hmm. If we want to start the recording back up there. It might be a good yeah. spot. Yeah. We, did, we, we actually didn't stop okay. it, so I'll just cut everything out and then I'll fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. I'm, great, much, great. I'm yeah. really used to yeah. Lee yeah. like saying something 15 minutes after it was supposed to happen, right? So, yeah. right on. Well, I have great Go ideas, but some, sometimes I miss. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that I love the character creation. It was very smooth. I've never played Power by the po- Apocalypse before, and I found it to be a lot easier than any new game I've picked up before. Like, it just ran very smoothly and part of that is great introduction great explanation but the other part is it was just easy it made sense it was quite logical yeah yeah one thing i can say about vincent baker and company the folks who created power by the apocalypse is i think they would tell you if the rules get in the way you're doing it wrong and it is a very rules light very streamlined very comfortable to play system I've played Spire, which comes kind of close. It's not full powered by a, the apocalypse, but it does run a more streamlined system and a player-driven story kind of concept. Yeah, yeah. So I think something we're gonna we're gonna make pretty obvious going in early is, but just to state it right out of the gate, Jason and I will never make any die rolls. Everything that happens will either be dictated by us as a fact that is going to happen that you respond to. Or will be decided by you by saying, I want to do a thing. And we say, here's what you need to do to make that. And we just react. And we react. I like it. Do you want early access to every Tabletop Journeys episode? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? Or, heck, do you just want to support the show? 
Join our Patreon today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, or you can make a one-time contribution to the cause. We love doing the show for y'all, and support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. So join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. Mr. Piercy, do your thing. All right. So, fellas. Yeah. You ready? Ready. First things first. Surprise. You're dead. Awesome. You guys wake up in a very fine lounge with, uh, like, 18th century velvet red furniture, dark draperies around windows, which are somewhat cracked, to reveal maybe the faintest glimmer of light. Within this room, there's a duvet and a bed and a chair, and you all come to, in one of those, your choice. More than one person could be in the bed. There could be enough chairs. It's completely up to you guys. How and where you come to. So what I'm gonna ask first is when you wake up, we're just gonna go in order. What's the first thing you do? Mr. Aristotle Von Air. Once I wake up in the bed, I start rifling through uh, the pockets of my jacket, looking for a, looking for my pack of cigarettes and a lighter, so I can, because having one right after going waking up or going to bed or whatever happened to me is of utmost importance. And then I start looking around the room and realizing that those drapes would never be in the same space as the bedspread on this bed. Like, who the hell put this together? This is ridiculous. Well, why don't you give me an investigate? Uh, so I rolled a five on the dice. Uh, what's investigate based off of uh, awareness. awareness? Okay, so that's a five even. Yep. Five even? Okay. Mark discovery. As well, you find... A cigarette in your pocket, but you don't find a lighter. Anybody? So I would like you to tell me why or what happened that you lost your lighter. You know, the last thing that I remember is I was standing on a street corner uh, and about I was waiting for the light to turn so that I could go ahead and crash. Traffic was unusually high for that time of day and it was irritating me anyway. Uh, and the last thing that I remember is I'd put a cigarette in my, light, in my mouth and I went to go light it and then the next thing that I know I woke up here. So I must have dropped my lighter and whatever happened to me. Alright. Paxton, you come too. What do you do? I look around and I'm very disturbed and wondering where everybody is. It, like what I, I'm wondering what's going on. And I look at the room around me and I check to see if it's, if there's dust. And then I look for exits, not running for an exit, but I'm looking for the exits. Okay. Certainly. As you look around the room, you can see that there are three other individuals in here with you. There is a hallway off to your specifically left and to your right. Were you in a chair on the duvet? Where were you? I was in a chair. All right. So to your right, almost right beside you, is the wall that there is a door on. And it's a very nice old wooden door. 
Uh, you also start to hear like a through, through, through coming through the floor, and think that you hear sounds of, of people outside of this room, this area that you're in. Again, to your left, as a hallway goes deeper into another section of this area, you just see it go back further, but not really much beyond that from your vantage point in the chair. <laughs> the three other individuals, and to your left before the hallway, you got a couple of dressers. And in between the dressers, there is a high window that seems that someone has pulled the drapes, but there's just the, again, the smallest bit of light coming through. I'm going to lock the chair under the door so as the door cannot be op- op- open. Uh, give me, also give me an investigate. Okay. How many D6 am I rolling here? 2d6, add your awareness, or subtract in the case that's your subtraction number. That's going to be six. Okay. Mark a discovery. You're placing the the chair under the door so that no one else can get in here. And it reminds you of a time that you were being uh, chased, or you were, someone was trying to find you in some reason. Why don't you give me who was trying to find you and why, and it was a dire situation. And I would like you to mark a stress as well. I was being chased by a rival gang. I had uh, grabbed some stuff from the wrong pocket, offended the wrong people, and I wasn't as smooth talking as I wanted to be. All right. Travis Baker, you come to. You see the room, you see the other three individuals. You have watched what they have done. What do you do? First, I again have a question. Yeah. Okay. Guy. You started with surprise. You're dead. Does that say I rem- mm-hmm. I realize that I'm dead? Do I remember dying? We'll get to that. So at the moment, I don't necessarily realize that I'm dead. I'm just waking up confused. Yes. That's an important distinction. Just wanted to make sure I. Okay. So Travis wakes up in a horribly tacky light blue wingback chair with these bright flower print all over it. It literally looks exactly like one that used to be in his grandmother's house, if he remembers that. And it does not match the decor at all, it seems. I'm sure that Josh's artist would agree. And he's groggy at first for a minute, and he's looking around, and he's seeing what everybody else is doing, and he just kind of takes that in for a second. And he's like... Where the fuck am I? And he starts going through his pockets to see if he has all the stuff. First place his hand goes is small of his back, checking for his knife. No knife. Hmm. And and there is one thing about the scenario. The discovery method is how you remember things from the past. Mm-hmm. So unless we're marking discoveries or you've done things to earn them, legit, your past is a mystery to you. Heard, don't bring up something from before like the grandmother's chair. My bad. So okay. it's just a tacky chair then. Yeah. But it's okay to say it reminds you of something. It clearly Certainly. it, it yeah. seemed familiar. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Alright. What else do you do? You find that your knife is not there. If that's missing from that moment, checking every other pocket looking for it, and then around the floor near me, that would become the first focus. The means of protection. Okay. Uh, also give me an investigate. An investigate is off of awareness, right? Correct. A seven. All right. So you get to ask. 
what item or object here is most useful to you. Okay. What here is not what it appears to be. What happened here recently? What do I need to be wary of? Or who should I be paying attention to here? And I can ask two? Correct. What do I need to be wary of? And what's most useful? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. One. My, my apologies. Ah, one. Okay. Then what do I need to be wary of? Danger first. As you're looking around and you are uh, searching for where perhaps your knife has gone, your hand briefly crosses in front of the light and you instantly know that is what you need to be wary of. I would like you... The light coming through the windows? Yes. I'd like you to mark a trauma. And you feel almost nauseated in the skin irritation as when you're you are in the it's not much light but it's enough mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely what you need to be wary of is the light and it burned me yes jesus my damn vampire stanley what do you do so i wake up in the bed and i roll over stretching a hand out sort of expecting someone to be there. Aristotle Um, is there. And touch Aristotle. I think I'm surprised by the clothing that they're wearing. Uh, So that makes me like sit up and then I will scope out everyone else that's suddenly in this room that I was not expecting to be in the room. I I say, do you have a lighter? I search my pockets. Or reach for the nightstand that, or what should be a nightstand off to the table. There definitely is. Why don't you give me an investigation, please? All right. That's plus awareness? Correct. So that is seven, eight. Okay. You as well get the answer to one of these questions. What item or object here is most useful to you? What here is not what it appears to be? What happened here recently? What do I need to be wary of? Who should you be paying attention to here? I think I want what item or object is most useful to me. Okay. So you, and it's not on top of the nightstand, right? Mm -hmm. But you pull open the nightstand and you're, you're looking for a lighter. And instead you find the flask. Well, there's some sort of liquid in it. Okay. That's what's most useful to you right now. Okay. As you begin to feel hungry is the best mm. way to describe it. Yeah, I want to pick up the flask. And I'm assuming it's got like a spinny top on it. Correct. Can I open it and like sniff? Yep. <laughs> what does it smell like? It's got a bit of a smell of iron and to you a a sweet tinge it smells like exactly what you're looking for that'll do pass it here i take a sip of it it tastes fantastic you've never had anything that tastes this good before actually wow this is amazing i uh it definitely doesn't taste like alcohol. Maybe a little, but not 
has kind of that noxious quality to it, but not, like, does it taste like booze or? Right, right, okay. exactly, okay. exactly. It's, it's intoxicating like booze is, but there isn't that flavor of I am, you know, ingesting alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. something intoxicating about it. And again, there's definitely the taste of iron. Yeah, and is, is the flask, like, is it full? No, it's there's maybe about a quarter left, hmm. and it is definitely a very nicely engraved flask with an M on it. I'm gonna pocket it instead of handing hey. it off to the stranger. Like, no, I found this; it's mine. Please, gentlemen, feel free to role play, and if something comes up, you're doing something. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. No, come on, give me that. I'm gonna start like pawing it at your jacket. No, there's not, hey, look, there's not much. And I'll, I'll stand up out of the, the bed and like push myself up against oh. the wall. So I'm out of reach of Awful. you immediately. Um, but I'll say there's not much left. We gotta Where'd be, you find it? This is really good. We gotta be careful Where, with it. Hey, stay away from that window. It? it was in the drawer. I wanna go over and look in the drawer. Ma- maybe there's more, yeah, you, look, you look. You don't find anything else in the drawer. Is there another nightstand? You said the there others? are yeah, other dresses. Is there another nightstand? There are next to the person who said something about sunlight. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of just watching what's going on, and I'll just chime in with a quick little. Okay. Y'all, y- y'all just woke up in bed together, and you're fighting over a nip. I mean, really, you got to be better about these things. Look, I found it. It's mine. They don't have any right to it. Who are you people? Who are you? I asked you first. I'm Riggs. And I'd really like to make sure we get out of here, but something's in the hall. I have a feeling something's coming to get us. And if you guys want to fight over a drink, do that later. But can somebody help me get some stuff in front of this door so we don't get broken on? When he says that, well, I'll come back to your role in one second. When he says that, all of you notice a doom and like the sounds of people somewhere outside of this room. It's very distant, but you can definitely hear a bass drum coming through the floor, the door, the wall. There's something going on outside of here. Yeah, I don't think that's someone coming to get us. I think there's music. I say that sounds like music to me. Yeah. I'm fine with keeping the door jammed for a moment while we figure things out. Whatever. I'm I'm ignoring what he said about sunlight, and I'm going to go over to the other drawers and start rifling through somewhat, not feverishly, but sort of like he's on edge. He he needs to take take the edge off. I'll I'll take another investigate from you, please. Is an eight. Get an eight? So as well, same thing. One of the questions. What item or object here is most useful to you? What here is not what it appears to be? What happened here recently? What do I need to be wary of? And where? what should you be paying attention to here? What should I be paying attention to? I'm, I'm trying to find anything at this point. So you're rifling through trying to find what you're looking for, uh, a flask, a lighter, anything at all. Why don't you go ahead and mark a discovery? As well, what you should be paying attention to is what you begin to hear from down the hall. Is it the, the thumping or something else? No, it's something else entirely. You hear a thump and then a loud wail like a... Ah! 
down the hall behind a closed door. So hungry! You have a lighter. And let's not call forth trouble. Goes, goes quiet again. All right, so I see you're not the adventurous type. Is that what you're looking for? Just take a deep breath. First first thing you got to do in a weird situation, calm down. And I check my pocket for my lighter. I should have a Zippo, hopefully. Give me an investigate. Nine. Again, what item or object here is most useful to you? If you wish it to be your Zippo, that's the question to ask. What here is not what it appears to be? What happened here recently? What do I need to be wary of? Who should I be paying attention to here? Item that's most useful to me while I'm looking for a Zippo that you find in your pocket. Because he clearly needs this to calm down for a hot second. And he flicks it open and holds it out to you. I'll, but I'll... he doesn't just flick it. Like He holds it this way and kind of snaps his fingers together. And the top pops open. This finger drags down the edge and lights it all in one motion. So I had you mark a discovery a moment ago, correct? Mm-hmm. No. No, that, that was too... Josh. Aristotle. Uh, yes, yes. I, I have two discoveries currently. Yep. Yes. So when... Excuse me, I'm still getting used to the character names real quick. When this person is handing you... It's Travis, but yep. you don't necessarily know that yet. When he's handing you the lighter, I would like to tell me of a time when you were given <clears throat> something illicit and it didn't go your way. Ooh... I mean, flashing back. I remember the first time that I dropped acid with with my best friend from high school, and you know, I had this awful experience. I he had this gigantic fish tank that ran like the length of his living room, and I was convinced that I was able to talk to the fish that were in it. And I kept they kept telling me that oh, we can't breathe in here, we're drowning, we're underwater. You need to help us, and so I was like reaching in to the tank to try to pull the fish out of the water and he was like what are you doing my, my and I'm like your fish can't breathe they're underwater they got to get them out but i being stoned out of my gourd at that time i wasn't able to grab them in the way that a fish was supposed to be grabbed and so i wound up wound up killing a bunch of them and everything like that so it was an awful experience i've never done acid since all right stanley remember you heard us scream yeah, I think I would also like to investigate further or see if I can find anything else, any other hints. I saw the M on the flask, so I want to see if there's any other indication in this room that we're in currently of how we might have gotten here or what might be going on. Yeah. So we have an option here, and this is a part of the game. Either uh, if you're both looking for one of you looking for a weapon, the other is looking for more indication of why you're here, what's going on. To me, that's an investigate role. There's a thing that you can do as a character. It is aid another. The person who wishes to assist calls for that first and says, I'll assist this person in their next role. So they roll first, and if they succeed, then they are able to give them a bonus on that role. If they fail, other complications and interesting things happen. So is there for Stanley and Briggs, is there anything you guys would like to do together to work your situation and your uh, goal into one thing? Yeah, I think if I see Briggs looking around, I want to try and, and help him. And I'll also, before that, say, you know, we were doing a bit of introductions. I think 
good to have names for everybody. I'm Stanley. And as I see Briggs starting to look around, I'll ask him if I can help him out. All right. Give me an a assist another character rule. It is with awareness. Okay. So that is a nine plus one, so ten. Okay. So he will get a plus one on his next action. And Briggs, if you're looking around, you get a plus one to this roll. Give me another investigate. We need a brief round of applause for our first fully successful roll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I roll a nine, and with his plus one, that's going to be ten. Okay. So. Teamwork. You will gain a Thank plus you. one forward on Ma- one action related to the answer that you receive from these two questions, which again is what item or object here is most useful to you. What here is not what it appears to be. What happened here recently? What do you need to be wary of? And who should you be paying attention to here? You get to choose two of those questions now. So I'm looking for something that can be used as a weapon. So the item that will be most useful will definitely be the first one. Okay. And then being aware of kind of what's going on, I will look for what is not what it appears to be. Okay. As you both are looking around, you open one of the bottom drawers of the dresser that's on either side of the window. The in the in that drawer is a Bowie knife. It's sheathed and locked in the sheath, but there's a Bowie knife in there. Excellent. What is not what it appears to be? You hear that that howl again from behind you. So hungry! Ah! From somewhere down the hall. You're not sure where. They're yelling so loud. You know they're behind a door, and all there are three doors in the hall. And something back there is definitely not what it appears to be. What are you all going to do? First thing I want to do is light my cigarette on the lighter that Travis pulled up. So, all right. Hi, I'm Travis. Aristotle. See, we're off to a good start. Now, does anybody remember anything? Because I'm drawing a blank. No. I remember waking up. I found this knife. Something's coming at us. And I'd really like to make sure we're safe. I'm safe. You're with me. So if I'm safe, you guys got to be safe. At least we have a weapon. Hmm. Sure. I tell you that the light coming through the window, it's hot. It's daytime. Like, it'll burn you. So be careful. What? what do you mean burn That's you? ridiculous. I'm going to wave my hand in front of the light. Yeah, so you do that. And you, you suffer a trauma as your skin begins to be irritated. Son of a bitch! like you set on fire and you're like, so oh, that hurts so much! It hurts bad. You that guy they made the warning labels about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they might be. Well, I guess I don't have to try that now. You're welcome. Oh, good. There. Oh, good. There's two of them. And you all <laughs> appear to see his skin blister a little and Again, it's not like it sets on fire and burns, right? But there's it's obviously an irritating his skin. Hmm. And it's obviously causing him pain. 
flesh them. I'll off. say I'll I'm gonna look around the room at all of you and I'll be like Travis, Aristotle, Briggs, Stanley. None of us are an M. And I'll pull out the flask again and show everybody. I'm gonna keep it keep a tight grip on it and show the M and I'll say, I don't know what's in here. I got maybe an idea, but it man, it tastes good. And you're not gonna share. You're just gonna There's like, not much. We gotta be careful. So you found a random flask in a drawer. Don't know what it is, and you drank it. It was it, delicious. There's smelled three. enticing. There's three. You all hear a thud. I can smell it. Thud from behind and down the hall behind one of the doors. Yeah, that 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 you I have, pocket the flask immediately. That, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Anybody else feeling kind of hungry? Yes. I'll, whatever. Yes. I think it might be a good idea, actually, then. Here, let's... If anybody else wants to check this out, I'll pull the flask out and, and hold it out. Just be careful. There's not much. What would I be able to do to make sure that I grab the flask first? I mean, if you're the first person who does it, that's it, man. Uh, I'm definitely making a move to try to grab it with alacrity, lest anybody tries to stop me. I was hoping I could do a perfect crime maneuver and uh, get that before he does. Why don't you give that a shot? Alright. The perfect crime. That's gonna be a seven. Go ahead and Lee, tell us what a perfect crime is and, and how it works. Certainly. So, uh, perfect crime is one of my, is my starting maneuver. And what it says is, when attempting to acquire an item without being seen or hide an item on my person, I roll with subtlety. And on a hit, I choose one of the following. In this case, I chose to steal something that is unsecured from another character without being noticed. So essentially, I have the item in my hand before Aristotle was even able to recognize that it was gone. And so then on a seven- plus. Does it say what you do on a seven through nine? Oh, okay. Oh, on a seven through nine, I get to choose one of the following. So I guess in that case, I get to do, I, in that case, I get a one of the following, choose to suffer a stress, put myself in a bad spot, or make a hard choice. I will go with make a hard choice. Okay, you both reach for the flask. <laughs> Your hands are both on it. The hard choice is I'd like you to mark a discovery. And I want you to tell me of a time when you recognize how the addiction of someone else has ruined some sort of business or operation you've had because you recognize that addiction in Aristotle. And you know this is about to be a, maybe not fight situation, but a feisty situation. I definitely remember a partner of mine at one point, we were on a job and basically he was not able to put down, put down the bottle in general. And he was late all the time, but more importantly on this time, he came into the job half in the bag. We still had to go forward. And at the wrong time, he burp belched 
and was noticed. And that blew the whole job. We got caught, we got pinched, did a little time before I could get out on bail and then skip town. But it really uh, took a lot of years to make up for that bad reputation. And in the end, I ended up having to turn that friend in as the one who got the job botched so the bosses didn't come after me. All right. And your hard choice is, do you let go of the flask and let everybody know what you in the doorway, in the hall, or do you take the flask and hide it from what's standing in the hallway right now? I let the flask go and I point the Bowie knife at what's in the hallway. What, what do I see? You see a uh, woman? But she looks crazed. She has a wild look in her eye, almost like a... You'd call it lust, but it's more than that. It's hunger. It's whatever was wailing. And their clothes are somewhat... Like, they have, you know, decent-ish clothes on, but they seem a little shredded and, and torn as if they've been tearing at themselves. Her face looks distorted in, in that insatiable quest for feeding an addiction. There's a hole they can't fill, and they're looking right at that flask. You don't know how they got there so quickly without any of you noticing, especially when they were behind a door, but they're there now, and they look like they're about to jump on that flask that Aristotle, you have in your hand. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.